Hello everyone and welcome to the From the African People podcast. My name is Jacqueline Ludande and I'm your host. And today I'm excited because we're speaking to a Kenyan native, Mkamboy Mwikale, the founder of Sari Organics, a beauty products company here in Nairobi, Kenya. We're going to talk about her early journey into entrepreneurship, how she first got her funding for her products when she started, um, how she sources the raw materials and her love for farmers, and also how she leads her team with transparency. I'm also going to talk to her a little bit about how COVID-19 has affected her business and how she is leading her team through this pandemic. So welcome to this episode. Hi, I'm Kamboy. How are you doing today? I'm fine. Thank you, Jackie. How are you? I am good. Thank you so much for um, coming on today. I'm very excited um, since this is our first podcast on um, from the African People podcast. So this we couldn't have imagined a better guest. Um, I was just thinking that I I, I remember meeting you uh, for the first time at KICC and you had your um, your products there and I was just like this is incredible um, so talk to me a little bit about um, how this journey started for you um, before uh, before that time like now you had your products made and you're at KICC like showing people off your products where where did this idea come from for you first one flattered to be the first one <laughs> <laughs> Podcast. Thank you. It's a, it's an honor and thank you for uh, thinking about me. I think I represent so many voices, especially from youth and mm-hmm. uh, women, uh, and also from the aspect of being a single parent. Okay. Yeah, uh, I carry that voice wherever I am. So about Sarum, how did it start? I like saying it actually started by accident. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And why I say accidentally, because this is not something I grew up, you know, the way we have plans, like uh, I, when I grow up, I'm going to do this particular course, and then uh, I'll, you know, I'll carve my niche in this particular sector. That's, uh, Saru is not exactly that. Mm-hmm. This, this is something that found me on my way and uh, on a different path, and was uh, busy diverting my attention and everything. So it started while uh, my then uh, five-year-old, uh, actually four, four-year-old, she was just joining uh, school, kindergarten. And then uh, she was coming home with some serious bouts of flu. Uh, and that was actually the very first time we had uh, when we, took, we took her to the hospital, she was uh, being administered with antibiotics. And of course, I was feeling a little bit, uh, not a little bit, I was feeling very uncomfortable with the idea of the antibiotic. In fact, I was busy googling the drugs dosage and I'm like, gosh, this is too much, you know, especially for a kid. And uh, it was leaving me feeling like I'm, I'm not doing justice to her body. Mm-hmm. And it was a cycle. So we'd go to get to the hospital, get these antibiotics. She'd get a relief for like two weeks, go back to school, and then the cycle begins again. It's like she, she was just attracting all new strains of flu that were available and kept on going worse and worse. And then a neighbor during that particular season noticed how my kid was missing school so much because the other kids are in school. She'd see my daughter is not in school. And she asked, like, what's happening? Why is uh, Shani not in school? And I explained to her that, you know, she's not feeling well. She's been in and out of hospitals and that kind of thing. And she, she casually mentioned that, uh, you know what? 
goat, dry moringa powder, and uh, never visit the hospital again. Now, that last sentence, that I'll never visit the hospital again, is what hooked me. Because I was like, what? If this is, like I took her, you know, I believed in her completely. That she mm -hmm. said, I want to visit the hospital again. I believe that's true. And to be honest, I've never visited the hospital again on account of Shani being sick with flu. And so I went to Tusky supermarket at uh, that particular time, found the Moringa powder, got it, come, uh, you know, uh, went home and then prepared it and then I made it as a tea and to give it some taste I mm -hmm. added some uh, lemon, some lemon and honey so that you can have a taste because it's very blunt if you know in the tea you need to massage them somehow but just what you're giving them and this was like in the evening when I was, I was giving her the moringa tea so mm -hmm. like one teaspoon of, uh, of the moringa powder and then the following day of course I woke up went to my I went to do my errands and coming back from work in the in the evening, I was actually meeting with uh, Shani playing outside very loud. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh -huh. you know the, the beauty about kids, they don't pretend. They yeah, don't. Well, they're happy, they're energetic. They'll show you, you know. Uh -huh. <laughs> energetic and all that. And I almost, you know, it was like a really big shock because the, the, the previous night I was actually carrying her from the couch to her bed because she was feeling too weak to even walk. Mm -hmm. And the next day, somebody's shouting and jumping up and down. She was like, what kind of a miracle is this? Wow. And so that caught my attention in a big, big way. And I was so curious to figure out what is with this tea that I gave her, mm -hmm. that the antibiotics and all, you know, all the drugs I've been given in the hospital could not actually do the good, you know? And so my curiosity led me to do a lot of research, and I and I figured how out how it's such a high, uh, it's such a it has a lot of uh, vitamin C content in, in high amounts, and that's basically what it did to her body. It made her body fight, you know, boosted her immunity, and the, the next thing the body was fighting back, and she regained her former self. You know, she restored her health, mm -hmm. and. Uh, that high content of vitamin C made me believe uh, there's much more to this thing. And of mm -hmm. course, we stuck to our money Moringa tea. So from that day onward, we just take our Moringa tea. And I did it just for my child. And so uh, sorry, there's an aeroplane. So it's okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I did it mainly because of her. Yeah. And that, that, that was perfect. That was okay. You know, my child could now go to school. Uh, I could continue my work. I'm not. I don't need to worry about antibiotics and hospital visits. That's that's over. And that was short lived because uh, that same year in December I was going home to Tatabeta, mm -hmm. and uh, of course I went with my moringa tea. It had become my plug, my everything. I'm not using this mm -hmm. <laughs> this powder. And uh, you know how in countryside living, uh, people have this communal way of living. You know, like when you make tea in the morning in your house, mm -hmm. you just don't make for the people you're seeing in the house at that particular time. You actually make uh, several with kettles of tea because uh, you expect visitors. It's not like they say they'll come, but somehow people will come and yeah. you're supposed to, to host them. And so it's a it's a habit that uh, my mom would have uh, you know lots of lots of tea prepared yeah. every morning. And so as we're taking tea, uh, there's this one particular guy who walked in, 
and of course he saw that uh, what my mom offered him is different from what what me and my daughter is taking. So mm-hmm. he was wondering why 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 the difference, you know? <laughs> why is it green? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> What exactly are you taking? Why can't I be given? Yeah. <laughs> Instead of this bread tea. And mm-hmm. I, I saw his concern and I was like, no, 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 don't worry. This one we are actually just taking because uh, we want to, we love it because it, it does amazing for our health. Mm-hmm. So, and then I suggested, ah, it's Moringa, don't, don't, you know, don't bother about it. But that's when I opened a whole kind of conversation from him because uh, I came to learn like he is a farmer. Mm-hmm. I'm a farmer for that matter. Wow. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had known about the crop because uh, some NGO had come to the community and introduced uh, it to the farmers. And they introduced it with a view that uh, uh, it should help the community, you know, because of its very uh, valid benefits, especially as a food. You know, like uh, it helps with the breast, uh, for the seed, for example, it helps uh, with the breastfeeding mothers. In the mm-hmm. production of milk, for example, uh, the leaves they do nice. Uh, they, they have nice. Uh, you can do vegetables kind of uh, you know meals with the leaves, and uh, of course the whole uh, healthy components and all about it is it was pushed to the community like they should embrace this crop. It will be good for them. It's good for their health. They should take it. You should you know the whole yield boosting issues and stuff. And so they embraced it, yes, but they also expected more, you know, like if this crop is that wonderful, why can't we also sell, you know, why can't we also make money from it? Because of uh, uh, how, how it looks is like we've sacrificed our land to put, to put it, uh, you know, to plant it. So it should bring benefits, economic benefits. And he felt that apart, they were not really working because uh, he's not ready to eat all the seeds yeah. from, the, from the farm, mm-hmm. all the leaves. Uh, of course, variety is needed. And he, he felt pain that he can't access the market. Yes, once in a while, there are people who are coming, the ones we call middlemen, mm-hmm. but then they would buy at a price that uh, doesn't really motivate them. Yes, they just sell for the sake of getting the money, mm-hmm. but they felt uh, it was like exploitative. Let me put it that way. Yeah, the and, brokers. Uh, mm-hmm. Exactly. And of course, the middleman would go and sell it at a, another good margin to the market. Mm-hmm. And I felt, I connected his pain. His pain. I, felt, I felt his pain. I felt how he, he wished the way we were saying this plant is so good, it's so beneficial that, you know, the farmers who have actually adopted it and raised it can also be able to get some economic benefits from it. And coming back to Nairobi after that uh, encounter, after that conversation, uh, was I left me a bit unsettled. I couldn't, I couldn't just think of me and my daughter alone anymore. Mm-hmm. I couldn't think like, oh, this wonderful tea that we've been taking and has now stabilized our immune system. We are now, you know, fighting colds. We, you know, fight uh, colds are no longer a thing that's bringing us down. That mm-hmm. is, made me think about the farmer. It made me think about the person who's actually, you know, doing the the real job yeah. down there. So uh, and this and this made me wonder how can I help this farmer? Because me buying that tea from from Tuskies, 
doesn't really do much. Mm-hmm. I wanted to to be a solution provider. I wanted as the way I connected with that pain. I wanted uh, God to use me uh, to be able to bring some light, some shine to the the, the wonderful crop. I know they actually call it a miracle tree. That's how they call it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that's how it began. Of course, a lot of reading, a lot of research. I read as far as some thesis from uh, some Indian uh, professor who had done so much about the moringa plant. Mm-hmm. And, um, discovered uh, much more than just now the internal benefits. Discovered it's amazing for software applications, for beauty. And that's when now my head was nodding. I was like, okay, so mm-hmm. this is a beauty ingredient. It's an well-kept beauty secret. You know, it's, a, it's, 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 it's a really nice occlusive balm for the skin, for the scalp, and can be used to nourish uh, hair and that kind of a thing. And so slowly I was now thinking how I can actually harness that benefit for the yeah it's it sounds that's really good it sounds like you are almost going to be like a ketepa kind of the tea you're <laughs> going into the tea business and then it's it's almost like and then it just he's still here um i love the way that um you know you, you always i remember us even having this conversation about you you have the farmers in the forefront of everything that you do i remember you speaking about them even uh, the for the pre-interview it, you can definitely see the, where the deep passion comes from and and i know my mom is a farmer and, and how sometimes it's very difficult just to deal with the brokers and that's something very difficult for the farmers especially the market aspect of it um so did you decide when did you decide okay now i'm going to going to hair um because i'm thinking in myself i'm like okay now i'm gonna start making moringa tea for everyone but i love the way you were saying that it wasn't very common locally um it's not something that people were used to um how did that switch over to now um hey this can be um this can be a business and and i need to develop this into a business so when I was reading the research, the research papers, the thesis I was telling you about, because uh, the, there's loads of information uh, thanks to the internet era, loads and loads of information. So while I was reading it, uh, and of course uh, I'd tested a new, like hands-on experience, <laughs> what mm-hmm. this crop can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the only thing that I had not tested about was now the beauty, the beauty aspect. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I, I went and looked for someone who was actually selling the oil, just uh, just like a hundred ml bottle, so I bought it and decided to just start using it myself. And um, I was actually uh, having some acne from skin. I still do, so it's something like I have to be careful with my skincare regimen. And I decided now to use the oil because uh, I read so much on how it can even be good for acne. Okay. That. So I decided to use it on my skin, you know, for for my acne. And then I went further and decided to also use it on my own hair. Still, still as an oil, nothing much, just mm-hmm. just as an oil. And uh, the first thing I, I noticed with my acne is uh, the uh, the what are they called? The, the bumps, the the pimples themselves. Mm-hmm. Right? They're slowly becoming smaller in size, you know. Uh, within like like two weeks, 
they were not as visible as as they were before. But even what made even a bigger difference is that uh, the, the, it's like he was doing some cleansing of some sort because now I was not having the uh, you know the dark spots that are left and sometimes the skin tends to look like it's peeling off. Mm-hmm. So it's like there was some cleansing aspect also happening with the skin. And this time I was using it uh, morning after shower and evening when I, when I come back. So I, I was watching that process and beginning to say, wow, something, something is really, really happening. But then what was even more, 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 uh, more what do I call it, more visible was, uh, was in terms of my hair because at that particular time now, I was not having it as farmed uh, or relaxed. I was having it as natural. And mm-hmm. I'd, been, I'd started doing a lot of plating just so I can avoid, uh, just so I can avoid having to deal with the hair when it's yeah. open. Yeah. Right? Because it gets so, dry um, also. Yeah. Exactly. So mm-hmm. I, I would prefer just going to salon, wash, plate. So that's how I would keep my natural hair. And it's always, it was always in a, some, some styling, some braiding, some we call them lines, Ghanaian lines, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, but when I started applying the, the, the oil on the scalp, one thing I started realizing was that at the end of the day, the hair is actually still, you know, it still has some manageability. Like when you touch, I feel it's still fluffy, it's mm-hmm. still soft. And I'm not, I'm not feeling the headache of, oh my God, this hair, what should I do with it? Like, do I need to get into the bathroom? Have some more water on it so that I can comb it. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was going away. Yeah, exactly. That was, was going away. In the morning, I could just wake up and then do my matutas, and mm-hmm. slowly I'd be able to style it without a hassle. Mm-hmm. And I was like, something else is happening with my hair. And 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 as much as I wanted to heal the acne issue, mm-hmm. the fact that I could wear my hair out and people could see how beautiful. It is and because mm-hmm. uh, you know when you do the plating, people can't really see your hair because it's plated. Mm-hmm. They can only comment on the styling. But when it's open in its glory, you know, guys are like, "Wow, is this is this your hair? It's so beautiful!" Like, and how do you manage your thickness and all that? And, and so, so many conversations were coming in, especially on the manageability from people. And I'd be like, ah, something new I discovered, I'll tell you in a few, <laughs> and that kind of a thing. So uh, my heart now was leaning more on the hair because, like, you know, the way people say, you don't make a product for the market, but the market will, uh, will, will ask for the product, you know? So the many conversations, the many comments that were coming in because of how, the, uh, because of the way my hair was getting displayed and guys are, are, are loving it and, uh, for 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 a while now they can actually see my hair you know and see that's that's uh it's what made me focus more on hair and everybody has hair for the gods her hair is beautiful <laughs> it's <laughs> if everyone needs to know it's she has a hair i remember when i saw you um uh, at kcc when you're um, showcasing your product i was like uh, i want that so and that's why i was buying like everything and when i came home uh, when i bought the avocado oil it went like i think my mom used it my sister's here she used it like it was so incredible so i attest to i looked at your hair and i was like yes 
this stuff works and that's exactly what we um what we need so that's really incredible so talk to me a little bit about um some of the um challenges that you encountered when you started wow 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 now uh challenges are quite many to begin with remember like how i told you this was an accidental kind of uh disruption but a good disruption nonetheless mm -hmm. I wasn't planning on starting that kind of a business. In, I've never, I can't remember that kid even dreaming of being a manufacturer. Yes. <laughs> it anywhere near. It yeah. <laughs> wasn't anywhere near my dreams at all, at all. Mm -hmm. So uh, here you are, there's something very interesting that uh, is, is happening in your life. You can see the conversations that are coming. Like there's a right force, you know, there's a right kind of force that is coming on your way about it and you're forced to, to think you're forced to come up with solutions and being being not a manufacturer being not a, a person who did things like chemical engineering of course mm -hmm. now there's a challenge of now i can't just sell the oil alone you know how 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 do i go about formulating products like mm -hmm. making sure this the benefit i'm feeling from this one ingredient of an oil can actually be be felt in like a shampoo, in a conditioner, in a styling cream, and all that. And so the, the, the first challenge was now, how do, do I even start formulating products, you know? Mm -hmm. And of course, uh, there's a lot of, uh, some of YouTube information here and there, nonetheless, not standardized. Not I know the kitchen ones, right? The, the one in your kitchen sink and... <laughs> I, I know, I know, you know, so... Uh, there, there was that there was that aspect of uh, and and of course I was not going back to start another degree in, yes. <laughs> in, in chemical engineering. So uh, overcoming that was the was my first thing that was my first challenge. You know, like how do I really have to formulate? Where where do where do I start? Where do I begin? Mm -hmm. And uh, the worst part was even realizing uh, how when you want to buy some of the ingredients. Uh, they actually have to be bought in bulk because uh, the, the world of manufacturers have been the world of the mighty, the ones who are able. Mm -hmm. So they don't know how to buy one kg. They know how to purchase 100 kilograms of something. And, and so those are the kind of challenges I was encountering, the formulation aspect and uh, the purchasing of ingredients because I would go and read and realize, oh, wow, I need an emulsifier so that the oils fit and the water face can actually meet. Of course, an emulsifier, you have to buy from the, you know, the manufacturers and that kind of a thing. And you go and you're like, yes, we do have, and can I purchase one kg? And they tell you, no, the minimum quantity available is 100 kg. <laughs> and they're thinking, no, I just need something so small. I'm doing something very little. With it. How did you navigate that? Where, where, where will I take a whole 100 kilogram of bag? exactly <laughs> and you've not even tested the market you know exactly and i don't have the money either <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's no money for that hundred in one ingredient no way so yeah those were the challenges they were the main challenges so i uh, my formulation came with a lot of trial and error but i was nevertheless uh very very patient mm -hmm. and uh you know what they say where there's a will there's a way. Mm -hmm. So through the trial and error phase, I met with one of our chemical engineering person. Uh, his name is Elise. 
and uh, so I would like uh, there's some things I've been doing. I would like to show you, and probably you can look at them and tell me if uh, where I can improve and that kind of a thing. And he was actually impressed, very very much impressed with what I'd done with the with the YouTube information. Mm -hmm. And uh, the beauty thing about working with natural ingredients, it's it's as much as people feel like it's it's a big thing to formulate. It's also very, very simple because you're working with ingredients that um, that are not having a lot of issues. You know, if it's butter, it's just butter. Butter and oil would easily, you know, would easily mm -hmm. do a nice whipped cream with this. The, you know, uh, you tend to do a spritz with water. You add some aloe vera juice. You add some rose water. You know, there's, there's that beauty of working with natural ingredients. It, it, it can be plain simple. But then at the same time, if you're thinking about the market, there are other issues that are involved, like a preservative, mm -hmm. like this uh, emulsifiers aspect. Uh, you need a product to, to stay stable. You know, you don't want a product to take it to the shelf. And the next thing people are looking at it and they're like, oh, but this thing is separating. <laughs> mm, exactly. <laughs> Did you two layers um, three layers. Yeah. And so this uh, so was able. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so Dennis was able now to take me in. Uh, yeah, I, I, I basically allowed uh, allowed myself to be trained by him. Of course, there's some skill we agreed on that, and uh, he took me through the basics, you know. And mm -hmm. because I'd done a lot of my own trial and error, not it was easy. It wasn't so hard because I think that I'm having a challenge from was able to help me with it. And then uh, the beautiful thing, him being a chemical engineer. Lente had also bought some of these ingredients in bulk, okay. and I could now purchase in small quantities from mm -hmm. him so that I can continue with my R&D. So those were the major, major hurdles at that particular stage. Wow. Um, I just love that. I just wrote a few points here. Um, I want to ask you your learning journey because you said something that was incredible. You are not a chemical engineer. You're not about to learn that. But also you knew you had to get the, I call it the professionalism of things, you know, because sometimes we buy, um, we buy butter, we buy all these things. And, and sometimes uh, what I hear a lot with small businesses, especially in Africa, is that, oh, um, we can't make it in bulk. We, we can't do all these things. So I want to know, um, convoy your learning journey how what did you do in terms of learning this right and the patients that was involved were you doing youtube videos were you doing that and then how important was it um to to start how did you look for the experts right like i, I it's so i don't know if this this was your co-founder the chemical engineer like how did you figure out that okay these are my strengths right and these are the things that i know i don't have that time to to go through that learning curve so just those two questions um how how did you how did you start your learning journey and then how did you figure out that you need to bring others in so, like I mentioned before, my learning journey started uh, mainly from YouTube. I'll just, uh, I'll just Google uh, because you know I had already started uh, enjoying this moringa oil on it. Yes. And I was like, what more can I do with it? So I would be like, how do I make a whipped cream with uh, moringa oil as one of the ingredients? Of course. And so in the YouTube would give you that much information, like mm -hmm. you can be able to do a whipped cream, you can be able to make a simple. Just add a B wax, uh, this percentage and a bit of shea butter, 
ada an oil whatever uh, properties you want from that oil and there you go you have your lip balm so uh, when when you start yearning for more and realizing uh, this particular content that I'm I'm viewing right now you're giving me the more that I'm yearning for of course uh, as a human being you start looking now right because yeah. you want more and that more you can get it from looking so honestly I just went on my LinkedIn uh, profile and so they googling chemical engineering oh okay and and the the profiles came so many mm-hmm. i look i look and see can this one can i add this one can i add this one not i just my instincts <laughs> you know women with our instincts yeah like, yeah maybe we should talk to this one maybe not this one so i i had to put my networking energy out there i had to be ready to ask i'm not afraid to say i want help that was the first thing i that was very very important for me I had to be vulnerable enough to know i need help and be ready to actually ask for it and so at linkedin um i i befriended several and then i started uh, shooting emails i mean messages on their in in their inboxes and they would reply and, and based on their response is how i would now know this can be taken further or this this is not doable and that kind of a thing and eventually zeroed out. Dennis was actually so good. The first thing he did was like, uh, just give me give me your contact number. Let's talk this on phone. It felt like the typing thing <laughs> would not really, because you know you're having this many questions it shoots to someone. Exactly. You're like, what is this chemical mixed with this? <laughs> it's like, let's just take it, let's take it offline so we can talk. Yeah. Awesome. Exactly. Dennis's opinion? Sorry? Did, did, did you meet people like from Kenya or from other yeah, yeah this is Kenya Kenya okay then it was Kenya so of course uh, I gave him my, uh, my phone number we were able to talk we were able to meet and that's when of course from the conversation which I, I figured out I actually need to go through training from like mentorship kind of training from somebody who already knows he's mm-hmm. qualified to, to do this and uh, he gladly took me through uh through several classes would actually finish one for me or one one practical classes i'm in a class and then you do a practical bit of it and then you challenge me and so i want you to make this that could do this kind of a thing i want it to be calming i want it to be moisturizing so mm-hmm. go read what kind of ingredients you need to make it do that you know and that's how i discovered things like honey and vegetable glycerin actually good for the product because they add the moisturability Mm-hmm. into a product and uh, the reason why most notions would find one of the key ingredients is glycerin glycerin yes in many mm-hmm. exactly and that kind of thing so yes uh i think what i'd say is i was not afraid to ask for help okay. but I, i definitely had to network and eventually i connected with the right person Oh, that is incredible. Um, thank you for that. Um, I want to talk about the funding aspect of it. <laughs> That's kind of one of the things everybody wants to know because we see your products in Jumuya, we see, um, but we don't understand that difficulty of it. I know with many African founders, I know that is a big elephant in the room where um, we are seeing sometimes a lot of funding coming into the continent, but also um you know especially for social entrepreneurs how easy was it or how difficult was it or what was the journey um for you to get into um you know to get the funding that you needed i know you you were in an accelerator 
um, that's one way um, I, I remember meeting you and with, with the rest of the, the, the people, the different businesses in the accelerator. So talk to me about the, the funding process. Were you using your own money to, to start with? And how, how, how is that? How was that journey? All right. So uh, technically, uh, I didn't have much money to start, you know, mm -hmm. uh, like I told you, I was, um, I'm a single parent. I was actually being housed by my mom at that mm -hmm. particular season in my life. And so money uh, was something that uh, was, <laughs> was not my friend. <laughs> Let me say that. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not my friend at that particular season. didn't love me at that particular season. And uh, I, I can remember I had uh, some 10K savings that I had. Uh, that, that, that 10K I'd put it aside like for rainy, any, any rainy day. Mm -hmm. At least I have some 10K somewhere. But uh, uh, you know, the way people say something you believe in it and you're sure that mm -hmm. there's this, like every force inside you is telling you, go ahead and do it. So I took that 10K uh, and said, we'll find another 10K for another rainy day. And it's the one I used to start buying the small items, like I was telling you, the oil tin under the mail, mm -hmm. sheer butter here and there. Uh, a small, uh, a funny packaging, I would call them. <laughs> just, just something to put my stuff on, buy a yeah. here, buy a, a, those pH strips, you know. And stuff like that. I was still, I was still, I was still using two superiors, you know, like uh, because you can't when you're doing for uh, when you're doing processing, you can't burn a product directly. Yeah. Oh, you have to like put the water in the 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 water bath and yeah. Exactly. Or mm -hmm. buy the you know they call bain marie. Mm -hmm. You can purchase those ones, or you do the double, uh, the double superiors like I was doing, mm -hmm. and so. Technically, I would say 10K was not a stretch. Technically, I would say that. Mm -hmm. But then again, there's this thing people call, um, people, there's this, I've actually learned from my mentor. He normally say money follows values. Mm -hmm. Money follows value. And it's very, very true. If you have something valuable within you or with you, money will definitely follow that. And, and so as I was busy doing, uh, I've already done my 10K and I've bought stuff. My mom was actually was serving me, you know, so she was seeing, hey, uh, and she would love, you know, would come with the button, sure, oh, mom, apply this, how does it feel? And she'll and, use it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, and of course, you know, mothers love to help their... They do, yeah. And she could see the passion. She could see this is real, you know. Mm -hmm. She could see uh, I'm invested in it. She could see, she, let me say, she could see through me. And so uh, she said, that, uh, she, she, I told her, of course, I can't continue if I don't have more money. And she she gave me 50K that, that oh, particular time. Mm -hmm. I actually, nowadays, I usually fight with my partners right now because when we are doing the initial capital, we tend to forget that there was a 10K somewhere, there was a 50K somewhere. <laughs> so I'm always fighting them. I'm like, you guys, you ignore this money and it was used in the venture for sale as much as you guys are not there. It was. Yeah. So yeah, my mom gave me 50K. And he started, because uh, started, I was doing a lot of uh, research, like, where can I get Baobab oil? So he started, she started traveling with me, you know, to places where we could go and talk to those people who would give us their Baobab oil. 
Apakado uh, or you know, I was doing these trips with her in her car. She was just fueling and telling me, okay, where are we going today? <laughs> you know, oh. I mean, bless mothers, bless mothers. Mm-hmm. And and so with that 50k, uh, it, it's the one that also helped me connect with Dennis because I could be able to pay some parking sessions too, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and also purchase more ingredients. And Dennis was gracious enough to also use his own ingredients as well because you know they have a lab and so many ingredients yeah so he was gracious enough to also allow me you know use his ingredients and so from 50k what happens now i had something more tangible that i could actually show somebody else right so now i'm not only showing my mom and the people around the house and a few close friends now i felt like uh, i had something that i could show people at church for example mm-hmm. i had something that i could show my schoolmates for example and I was now, you know, confidence was building up and I was give, uh, go try this shampoo, come give me feedback. And the, the feedback was so amazing. They're like, for once I've washed my hair and my hair is not dry. What, yes. what, what was that? <laughs> you know, because I'm used after shampoo, I have to use a conditioner. Okay. I, the whole bottle too, like for hair. <laughs> exactly. So that, <laughs> so that my hair can get soft and then I, at least it's manageable, but I used your shampoo and I, mm. I, you know, the experience was definitely different. And so because I had something that now I could show people, we realized we're in a situation where we needed more money. Now this time I'm with my mom still, and uh, we approach uh, my uncle, and you know, I have, of course now, I, like I told you, I have samples that I, can, I could show sure, you yeah. samples and food. Mm-hmm. And of course my uncle was sold to the guest, like, really, you made this? Uh, you actually created this and he was so happy for me and was like, okay, so do you guys need? And I was like, of course, we need money to continue from here because there's kids, for example, there's uh, even the gestary needs as a business so I can give it a name and uh, buying labels, buying some proper kind of packaging at least uh, because I also didn't want to bring out something that just is not looking good, you know. The product inside is so good that the packaging, <laughs> you know, they needed to match. And so my uncle was gracious enough to come on board and uh, give us a 200k investment. Mm-hmm. And that one allowed me um, allowed me to go further and buy some. No, I actually uh, got a designer who could do for me the logo, the labels look. Uh, I was able to buy a few packaging, uh, a bit better packaging materials. And that kind of thing. And we were moving on. Uh, I was registering a business now. It had a name. Uh, things were coming up. I was even having a, a WhatsApp, a, a different like WhatsApp line. Uh, I think Facebook page. I done a Facebook page, a Twitter page, an Instagram page. You know, mm-hmm. so I was using social media to sell. And uh, I could uh, I could go to they called flea markets and start selling. So from there now, what was happening was what we call organic kind of selling. Mm-hmm. I mean, organic kind of growth, sorry. So from, you know, they went to the flea market, you had this amount of bottles, how much did you sell, and that kind of thing. So it, it grew now from my mom, my uncle, and then the next person who was looped in into the investment was my, uh, my schoolmates. We were very good friends in school. So it was an easy... It was an easy dot. And why should I say easy? Because uh, 
uh, my strength is mainly in dreaming. I'm, 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 I'm those people like I visualize something and I love it and I'm like, oh, it's gonna do this and this and that. But I can get lost in the dream. <laughs> now, You're a visionary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can get lost building dreams and telling you how beautiful dreams are gonna be. Yeah. But my partner is more grounded. He's an, an administrator, naturally. Mm. You know, those yeah. things like, okay, so you're saying it's gonna do this and how do we get there? Yeah. So his uh, his capability is basically financial administration, and because those are the areas where I lacked, mm -hmm. I wanted somebody who could actually complement that side, mm -hmm. that side of me. And so uh, he came on board. His name is Emmanuel, and of course, the first thing I gave him the product, he took his, he took them to his to his sisters. His sisters loved them, and he came back with a very amazing feedback. I was like, you know what, I'm in. What I had my sister saying, you can go your own to something different. I like it. And so he was on board. And of course, he did his investment as well. Mm -hmm. uh, this time out over 500K. Mm -hmm. and from there on now, we were, were able to set up the structures. And he came in with his whole, he's, he's good, like I told you, in financial administration, yes. building projections and showing this, can, this doesn't need to be done now, this can be done now, and that kind of a thing. Yeah, and uh, of course now I had to double up a lot on the flea market. Every mm -hmm. every weekend I was on a flea market somewhere trading. Yeah, that is really. So, you want me to talk about the accelerator or? Ah, uh, yeah. So that so you get you. It looks like the, and thank you actually for mentioning how organic. Like your your first initial funding came from your family and friends, and I love that you started because what we hear a lot from from people who want to start businesses is that I don't have the funding to start. You started with ten thousand of your own money. Even leave that. You started by getting small samples and trying them yourself, and then you invested your own money. Um, and I think a lot of people don't. Um, they don't understand why that is important. And I just love the support system that you got from your mom and, 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 and everything else. So that's very important for that. Uh, yeah, so just briefly, um, how did you go now into the, when did you decide now it was time to get into now that additional sources of funding was getting into that accelerator, one of the, um, the, the next step, or if you had, if, if you are generating the revenue that you were needing, um, you wouldn't have gotten into the accelerator. What, what decisions did you make to get into that? So something that, something very beautiful that happened when, while I was attending the flea markets back then, that is in 2017, mm -hmm. uh, a particular lady came and bought uh, the products mm -hmm. and uh, she, she went and tried them. And she came back, I think, maybe two weekends after that. She still found me in the same spot. And she was like, I tried your stuff. And this is something like, <laughs> I've never had this kind of experience. And then she was like, do you have a kebs mark? And I was like, uh, but then they, we had started applying, but the, 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 the marks weren't yet out. I think I was in that particular process. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I told her not yet, but it's in the process. And then she was like, uh, would you like to sell it uh, to a shop? You know, like, would you like to take your products to a shop? Mm -hmm. And I was like, uh, why not? Because uh, other than the weekends, there's nowhere else uh, I have a place to yeah. sell. Of course, during weekdays, I would, I, would, uh, I would capitalize a lot on social media, you know, uh, mm -hmm. so, like on Facebook and Instagram to start selling. And, uh, you know, give the story, tell them, show them what can be done. 
But during weekends now, I had a particular point where we tell people come on this place and she'll find me there and mm. we can talk more about her. So I told her that would be very amazing because it would allow me to, to tell people if they can't find me on weekends and they want it on a Monday or Tuesday, I can tell them go to this particular shop and you'll get it first. And so just like that, Jacqueline was signed up for ethnic, uh, ethnic shops. Right at that particular time, they had four shops. They are at the Paris Center. Mm-hmm. At, uh, oh, she was the owner. She was the owner of the, I think I didn't mention that. Oh. Joanne, she, mm-hmm. she was the owner of the, of the brand Ethnic. Mm-hmm. So at that particular time, they had four shops. Ethnic, Adelaide Plaza, Garden City, and Buffalo Mall in Fashion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she gave me an order that I needed to, <laughs> to do for all the four shops. Wow. Remember, I'm, I'm still on <laughs> that. Uh, startup level where I do small production just enough yeah. to uh, I had already you know that demand forecasting you know how much you need for that particular week or so mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden she wants the sh- her shelves on the shop to be well equipped you know you can't have like two shanties and and so that was like uh, a big demand for a small business all right mm-hmm. and then she had also mentioned that it would have to be on credit you know, like uh, she's not buying the quantity right now. It has to be on credit. And that's actually, that's one thing most startups uh, have to, you know, have find it challenging because you need the money. But you also understand them on the other hand that uh, they, they, they're giving shelf space for visibility and all that. And there's a risk involved if they just pay and then uh, the products don't move, <laughs> you know, and she, she's stuck. With the so uh, in a way, it's, it's, it's a situation where both, both parties need to see the other side of a person without necessarily pushing one to the wall. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that meant we need, we need we, we, each time it meant we need to always have money for production to ensure that the shops are well stocked. Mm-hmm. And of course, cash flow issues began. I mean, the moment all your money are buying production and the money is not coming at that particular time, mm-hmm. uh, literally you start having cash flow issues. And that's what necessitated now growth. You know, that's what necessitated us trying to look for more ways to manage this. How, how, because we didn't, we liked, we liked the visibility that came with ethnic. We definitely liked it because more people get to know about our brand and mm-hmm. customers were loving the product. And she actually allowed us to even be having activations in her shop. So we'd be like, oh, find us at Sun Center this particular day, find us at Adlas Plaza, wow. find us at Naivasha, find us at Garden City. You know, she allowed all that to be, which was amazing and beautiful because you, you were, we were talking so many people did hear about the brand and giving us the opportunity to, 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 sell, to sell ourselves, you know, to sell our brand out there. Mm-hmm. So yes, that's what called for the growth, and I started looking out for ways. How can we, how can we get money because we actually need it, and we can't stop at me. We can't just say, you know, this contract needs to change. Yeah. <laughs> right now, before, <laughs> before you purchase, yeah, uh, get the check. That's that definitely wouldn't work. And the role she played in my life was something that I was keen to keep that relationship going positive. So yes, yeah, so uh, I saw the advert. It was actually on KTN. 
mm -hmm. something about win one million from the enterprise. And I was like, oh, one million? This I'm going to apply. <laughs> You're like this cash flow. You're yeah. like, no, at least at least we can we can get some we can get some 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 food. You know, entrepreneurship is like there's that year of like starving. Um, yeah, you think about feeding yourself and feeding your staff and buying supplies. My goodness. Mm -hmm. true, true, true. So yes, that's how I, and of course the learning aspect because we're also yes. in this entrepreneurship thing. So we needed to also understand so many other aspects of, of running a business. So that's how I ended up in the Africa. That is so that is so incredible. And and I love that you talk about because the money aspect of it is so so um it's so so incredible and very also very very difficult. Um and, and I'll ask you a couple of questions to, to towards the end as, as we finish. Um how did you come up with the name Saru? Ah, oh, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Saru is a Titan name. It's uh and and rightfully so because uh the, the dream began from Taita, from Kumbisun, mm. that Moringa family, Taita. And Saru uh, in Taita is a gun name that actually means uh, organic. Organic, yeah. organic mean, being the, the manure, the organic fertilizer. So like, for example, if you're a farmer and uh, your crops are not doing so well, they look a bit withered, mm -hmm. um, a farmer would tell you, you know, add some Saru into it and, and the reason why they're saying that is because after adding sound, the expectation is that you'll have a better yield. You know, mm -hmm. it will be natural, it will be nourished, it will be green, beautiful, to look well taken care of, and it will give you the kind of produce that you desire. So, sound name was being borrowed from that aspect. The fact it's it's the very organic. It's not tampered. It's not um, there's no any alterations that have been made into it it's just as organic as it comes and because of that purity that aspect of it being so organic there's that amazing amazing percent benefit that it does to a crop and that's what i wanted for people to feel like when they buy this product and they use their hair they definitely experience that star was on their hair because uh, the health look very nourished Natural, like you can say, it's glorious, it's a beautiful crown, and so yeah, that's how the starting came more because of this uh, connection with the Taita farmer and what Saru itself is. That is incredible, and it's a beautiful name, like it makes sense, like it's called Saru. Like now, I can, I now, even when I look at my Saru products, um, I use Saru products and I love them. I cut my hair in 2018, and you people are really shocked at how big and fluffy my hair is um i literally just wear it um in 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 like in a bun now and i just put some i put the products and i put the gel i don't put heat on my hair and the curls are just like and it's text text laxed and, and people can't even believe that it's not um it doesn't have some form of relaxer to it i think it just starts with really getting good it's like your skincare you have to really do a lot on your on, um in terms of getting really good products for your hair um Kamboi, talk to me a little bit about the competition aspect of it, because I also have other products. Um, I walked into a mall and I saw like Shea Moisture was there. They were doing like a, like a, oh, we've just arrived in Kenya thing. Um, how is how is the difference in, in, in marketing? I know a lot of you know, African Kenyans love things from outside, but I have 
I'm going through this transition of, of really embracing localization, the beautiful ingredients that we have, um, you know, in, in this continent. And, you know, how are you getting the perception of the consumers? Because you have a lot of things exported from outside. Yeah, so um, what I would say is uh, the, the narrative is changing. Uh, before, there was a lot of what comes from abroad, especially in Europe and America, yeah. is the best. You know, there's, uh, there's a river American body be like, I prefer to cover my foundations from SP Loda or at mm -hmm. least maybe companies. They feel like uh, they, they want to get a, a bad reaction, it's well standardized, it's good quality, it's worth the money. Mm -hmm. So that, that, that narrative has uh, honestly been there. And uh, the, the narrative for Kenyan-made products has been, it's not trustworthy, um, uh, it's not done well. And, and, and the fact that uh, for, for, all, for some reason, kids have also been found failing in, in, in instances that have actually been shown in the media also gives the customer that feel like even if there has a trademark, um, yeah. you know, we can't be sure. We've seen the, the products that have trademark in the shelf in the supermarkets being found to be faulty. And that's so the quality control. Exactly. And so the, the, the customer in Kenya had, uh, had a good reason, I would say, had a good reason to actually have that doubt and feel and 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 you know things like especially skincare and hair they're very personal the last thing you want is to apply something and the next thing you're like my hair was left in the bathroom <laughs> that's traumatic for a woman <laughs> exactly exactly you know so the, the risk the risk is there and uh, it's important for customers to actually have that confidence it's very very important and so as a as a as a player in this market, I have to first understand where the customer is coming from. Mm -hmm. I, have, I have to understand that narrative. And that's I'll be fighting something that I don't know. So once I understand that, so the point for me was how can I make the customer feel confident mm -hmm. my product? How can I feel them know they can actually trust this brand? How can how can I make them comfortable? And so one of the things that uh, we actually did with Ethnic at that particular very early stages, we did giveaways, you know, would be like, uh, uh, come, come, come to Garden City, uh, there's giveaways, there's free testing, there's free sampling, just, just allowing customers to have a feel of the product before they actually, you know, uh, decide to, to purchase the product. So, it, it's a cost that you have to be ready to bear that the customer will actually go and test your shampoo, you go and test your leave-in, and if you actually believe in your product and you know what you've made is good, trust you that customer will come back. They will come back. So a lot of authenticity is required from us, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, allowing yourself to be vulnerable, allowing yourself to actually give uh, free samples that, that's required, especially in the very early early stages of uh, market entry. Because that's, there were already products that they were using. We wanted to win them over to US, all right? So we did, uh, we did a lot of uh, free, free sampling and uh, pushing uh, the, the, the branding message on our platforms were on the quality of the product. And how we do this, 
is now the the feedback would get from customers mm-hmm. the, would, would, would publish this feedback you know and thanks to the era we are in where you could play a video and customer would show how bouncy the hair feels after they apply our mask for mm-hmm. example uh, our hair growth mask is one of the best selling products and a big reason came because we have a lot of video reviews from customers not not even bloggers who are who are already good at <laughs> doing this just mm-hmm. and no, no more customers just being so impressed with how the hair is, has elasticity and bounce and moisture and they share it and of course we replayed it and the more people watched that the more they'll be like oh wow it works so well i'd like to try so mm-hmm. we had to depend a lot on customers feedback to push our narrative that these products are good and they are amazing and they are actually delivering what we are promising so once uh, once we we gain the customer feedback the confidence uh and i did a lot of this through customers feedback and publishing uh, i'm always uh, i'm always pushing this with my team always let the customers feedback be out there let them let people know what our customers are saying because mm-hmm. we we don't have money to do billboards <laughs> we don't have money to do big tv radio ads but mm-hmm. we can do a lot with social media we can push that video on insta stories on facebook we can push that uh, that feedback with google ads and all that and we'll be able to get uh, get feedback i mean to get more uh, conversions from that uh, the other thing is also being authenticity and selling the brand as a kenyan brand because once people know actually this is connected directly to that farmer the story changes you know because naturally you don't want you want to feel your money is actually going to do something more valuable so it's just not giving saru money but there's a trickle down effect to where this money is going so our brand story has is out there it's being told again and again and again and it's not changing it, it has been consistent it's not changing it has been consistent and that authenticity of our brand story and allowing people to see how we actually connect to the farmers is something that now brings the this other group of people who want now to to have impact into the society you know like you you're one of those people who are like oh this you're working with farmers <laughs> i think that's actually the reason why we connected that way and uh, i'll say that yeah that has played a really really big role in uh, in in building our customer relationships and retention and getting some more new referrals so i'll say uh basically those two things building the confidence that this product you can actually trust mm. and it's working and secondly uh, uh developing the narrative the the brand story and basically connecting with the pain point of our farmers. Those two are very keen for me to be able to push my edge and get a niche in this market. Thank you about that. You know, I love farmers and that's my next question for you here is how are you, how do you, in, in terms of when you're thinking about sourcing your products, um, especially this whole era of fair trade and, and farmers, you know, not being given the value for their money. Um, I remember, um, you know, talking to you earlier before this interview, you were mentioning like all the different co-ops that you work with and I was telling my mom, I'm like, um, I'm, I'm talking to Mkambwe and, and she, uh, she's, she's sourcing all this. She's like, 
oh, she's sourcing them from tell I can supply all these things. I'm like, do you have 10,000 acres of this? You know, because <laughs> everybody now will want to, you know, want to supply to you all the, uh, the, the ingredients that you need. Um, so talk to me a little bit about your whole, um, the sourcing process for you and the importance of making sure that you, you're taking care of your farmers. Awesome. So um, my sourcing began very, uh, at first I wasn't getting uh, directly from the farmer mm -hmm. because uh, I was getting very little. I mean, if I'm buying just one liter of oil, the whole scale of, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense mm -hmm. for me to give me like these grams of, uh, of Moringa seed just mm -hmm. so that I can go fresh and get one liter of oil. Mm -hmm. So uh, in the very beginning, I'll just work with people who have already sourced from wherever they sourced. And uh, yeah, you know, there are suppliers out there who are saying I'm selling shea butter, I'm selling moringa oil, I'm selling bubab oil, and mm -hmm. I'll get from them. But this was mainly because of the quantities I was buying. So very little, uh, at most just one liter. But because I told you where my connection came from, I knew eventually I need to go back to where I started. And so what has helped us is actually working with uh, cooperatives, like I, I told you before, because uh, once, once you identify a cooperative that is actually, um, like your visions are marrying each other. And mm -hmm. uh, maybe let me talk about jungle nuts. For example, jungle nuts, uh, they do organic farming. They, even, they actually helped as far as even having the organic seedlings, you know, so they don't just plant any seedlings. So from the from the seedling to the to the uh, to the whole farming process up to harvesting, a lot of care has gone into the process with a lot of training and support given to those farmers so that their yield at the end of the day they can actually say yes, we have organic macadamia, we have organic avocado and that sort of thing. So it became a bit. Uh, uh, for me, especially the quality control and everything, it became much uh, much easier and manageable working directly with people who, who are already in a group, associ mm -hmm. you know, like an association. Yes, yes, and, so and I, I can see their vision. I can go to them and see how they do, uh, how they work, and be like, okay, yeah, I can trust this this particular society. So a lot how how I came to meet most of my suppliers is actually during some of the trade fairs that you found me in, mm -hmm. uh, in those trade fairs is where you meet a lot of the representatives of these particular farmers, you know. Okay. Uh, like uh, these Tawi, these jungle nuts, these Kahangi estates, ones of processing that's from Taita Taveta, for example. I mean, Taita, especially Taita. Mm -hmm. And so the trade fairs are, are the places where I've actually connected with the associations. That's what it's not like I did that Google you know, by being in trade fairs, what made me know, oh, so if I need Baba oil, these are the group of people I need to be talking to. If I need uh, shea butter, this is the person to connect me to the right uh, to the right uh, family. So that's how our sourcing has, has been. Of course mm -hmm. with the with the with the exception of essential oil. Yes, uh, essential yeah. oils are very, are very concentrated, highly concentrated. Even when we use it, we use it in minimal, very mm -hmm. minimal amount. So for that one, I've, I've just let the experts do it and then just get them. Are they 
expensive too, Tim Kamboy. I remember buying um, frankincense um, from the, the same the same day that trade fair at KICC, and it was eighteen hundred shillings for a small bottle. And I'm telling you, we put it like on burns, we put it like on like insect bites, and that thing works. And and I'm telling you those. And I remember they were explaining to us the way they get it from like Turkana and 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 uh, all yeah, that's Aga Limited. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they were just saying the way they get it. And it's just such a process. You know, I think people don't understand the way essential oils, just the whole extraction and everything else. I, I never understood why those things are that expensive until now. Um, you know, just my, my sister has a has an organization. Um, they do um, they, they make uh, uh, air, air fresheners for cars with essential oils in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So she's, uh, <laughs> so it's, it's just in, in, incredible. And you just plug it in that little cigarette thing um, and then you can be able to use it. So I, I understood how the whole sourcing and everything is from, from them and, and, and her co-founder. Um, and so one of the things that I want to um, ask as we wrap up here is um, what would you... Um, what would you tell someone who um, is looking at getting into what you're getting into, what, what, your, your career right now? What, what is one advice that you will give to them? Um, they're like, I've always wanted to, you know, the way we get so excited. We're like, we always, I, I just decided to do a hairline, you know, <laughs> going through this podcast. I'm like taking my own notes. I'm like, uh, okay, it has to be a calling. Okay. You have to be disciplined. <laughs> You have to understand, you have to be professional and understand that. What is one of that advice you can give to um, a young lady or a young man in, in college right now? And this, this is the dream. Uh, I think I'll just say not to give up. Mm -hmm. Not to give up because uh, the journey is not smooth. It's not, uh, it's, not, it's not at all smooth. Uh, there were times that I was like, why exactly am I doing this again? <laughs> you know, I, I think I have some degree somewhere that I can, <laughs> I can put it to good use and not necessarily with Saru. So there are those moments, and there are many those moments. But eventually, it would always be connecting yourself to the why. Why? Mm -hmm. If your why is not strong enough, mm -hmm. If your why is not good enough, I don't. You might you might lose the focus. You might lose it. You might easily say, "Okay, uh, this this is just not worth it." So, what is your why? If you understand your why and you're feeling very compelled that this this is a reason for me to actually be here, go ahead and do not give up. There's always there's always a light. There's always a silver lining somewhere. Thank you. And I always say that your why has to be more than money um, because the money, you're going to go through a lot of ups and downs with money. Um, and that's when I caught something when you were speaking about the way you had the passion for the farmers. Um, and that's where I love social entrepreneurship because you have, um, you, you do, you'll have those ups and downs. You have to have something that is really going to wake you up in the morning when you're right, when the, somebody wants to take your products on credit and you don't know where you're going to get the money from. So, um, mm -hmm. so yeah, that's what I would say. Like, let your why be just very, very strong to keep you at it. And when when it's strong, trust you me, the next thing is just building your muscle from every challenge to the next. 
the challenges I was dealing with in 2017 are not the same challenges I'm dealing with in 2021. So, and you realize if I overcame that, this one too, I can overcome. Awesome. So who are two people who have, um, you know, who have influenced you in this journey or who do you look up to, two people? Um, I love, um, uh, I'm, a, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. I'm a firm believer in Jesus Christ. And so I tend to look up to women and men who have actually created their business from a foundation of just believing in God and having faith that this this God has me, you know, God has got us. This this one is and seeing the the growth, seeing the seeing how much God has actually taken them from, for example, for for me from the kitchen at my mom's house in Maradaima estate to mm -hmm. having our workshop in Ruiru. I never imagined, for example, I'd have a machinery. You know, I told you I started with the tutorials. Yeah, <laughs> so you know, just 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 that aspect. And so one one lady that comes that I'm always we've not connected like like one on one, but I'm always looking up to her. She's a uh, She's the brand manager, the owner of Miele Organic. Do you know Miele Organic? Yes, I do. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. She's uh, she's one person I follow her journey so so well. She's uh, she's an inspiration to me, and the fact that she always reminds us of her humble beginnings and the prayers she has made and how far God has got her. And every time I look at her, because she always displays the warehouse of Miele Organic. Every time I look at that warehouse and how fully stocked it is and the staff, I'm always like, you know, this 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 place, we're, we're going to get there too. You know, we're going to be like an elevated brand, a renowned brand, and we're going we're gonna to be there. So um, on the industry of beauty industry, that's, uh, that's one person I really look up to. Uh, on general, the one other person who inspires me a lot is my uh, one of my lead pastors who I, 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 I fellowship. Mm -hmm. His name is Reverend Vivian Pila. Mm -hmm. uh, he's one person who also built a business from from uh, you know the, when you're in that state of I have nothing, yeah. and then he's, he's built a business that is actually global because in few years he had his brand in. He had his business operating not only in Africa but as far as Asia, and I look uh, and I look up to that. And even the journey, the lessons he tells us about entrepreneurship, you know, uh, developing those muscles, you know, uh, that's someone I really, really look up to, especially on entrepreneurship scale and that kind of thing. So that's uh, those two. That's what I think. That is incredible. Um, final question, Joe. What what do you do when you feel down? When when the business is 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 not looking great? Um, I know um, I I run Volucultural, and I know this year, too, especially twenty twenty, has been kind of those years where people are just like, "What is happening?" Um, how do you take yourselves out of out of you know that 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 mental state of things are not working or just feeling like you're down you don't want to get up in the, in the morning to push but you still are the leader and you have to motivate your team so what are what are some of the examples you do especially for your mental health and, and your self-care uh, thank you for that question Jacqueline. it's very very important 
I can remember, you know, when you're young and you're thinking being a leader is a good thing. You know, and, and you're thinking how you grow up and be this big CEO. I see, but, I know. <laughs> you're like, that is a lie. <laughs> That's the life, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and I'm coming here and I'm, I'm having this small business. This, this time is not the bank I was dreaming of. Yes. <laughs> this business and there are people that are just right there and they're looking up to you. Mm-hmm. Where do you think I've got this right? <laughs> I know, you're like, I need a day off. <laughs> <laughs> away from this. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you sometimes you wake up and you feel, I wish one day somebody else would play this role. Mm-hmm. But this particular week, somebody would just take over and allow me to disappear <laughs> and come back when things are okay, you know. And uh, interestingly, the other day I was sharing with my team and telling them uh, how it would have been easy for me because Emmanuel Zanu does our finances. So mm-hmm. like I told you, I'm the dream and Zanu tells you where we are going and how beautiful that place is. Yeah. Emmanuel has a sentence of saying, hold on, hold on, hold on. We can't get there just yet, you know. Yeah. So, being the person who deals with the finances means he knows what's happening number wise you know he can tell this you can't do and this you can do and so there are times i, I was telling my team i actually feel like i can call him and tell him is today a good day for me to appear or should i just uh, <laughs> you know yeah. just, just stay in the house and <laughs> and not come to the office exactly. but i don't I, for some reason uh, as much as that would be so tempting because uh, the beautiful thing about Emmanuel as much as he's my business partner mm-hmm. remember i told you we have a history because yes, we're schoolmates mm-hmm. we've known each other for for long before so he's also a friend and it, it would it would actually be very easy for me to say, you know what, today um, I'm not appearing. I'm not, I'm, I'm not coming. You figure out how you handle mm-hmm. everything. You can wait out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've I've not been able to. I've, I've I didn't take that that advantage or something. But one thing that uh, has allowed me to to go through those hard times because they're there is from the word go. I decided to be very honest with my team. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't promise them what what is not. I decided the the way to do this is being very honest. And for example, right now, if you call my admin, he'd actually tell you the sales you made uh, in February. You know, in March, she will yeah. actually tell you this much is what we made. And that kind of transparency, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of transparency with your team, it allows them now when when you come and tell them, you know, this this time round. Uh, the, the salary is going to come on 5th of March. Can you be just, uh, I mean, on 5th date, as opposed to earlier on, like that year or first. Yeah. Because because they've been there, you know, that transparency, they know what's happening. They know a particular check has not yet given mm-hmm. uh check and some payments have not been made. At least you feel like you're not you're not telling people who are looking at you like really you you, yeah. <laughs> you actually yeah, like, you can actually allow us to go through that like work for you and they are not ready to pay on time. Mm-hmm. So I made I made it deliberate that I'm going to be honest with them that mm-hmm. everything is going to be transparent. You ask my customer care girl uh, how much you've made, she'll tell you she knows everything in and out. They know the expenses, what needs to be bought first. And that has helped me in the journey because that transparency allows me to be me with them. 
so that that's one thing i love myself as an entrepreneur so it's always key because right now what you should have there are your diehard fans at this particular mm-hmm. especially in this pandemic yeah exactly those mm-hmm. those are the people you need to be having in your team mm-hmm. you know, what's the vision and they're like yes we can see this circle we can see where it's going and you are ready to drive that vision to that particular place so those are the people you need in the very foundation stages you don't need the very experts who who have uh, many years of experience but they're not humble enough mm-hmm. to work with you in a startup journey as much as they are good with what they're doing you don't need that you'd rather actually work with someone you can train you know and work together and let them grow with you as opposed to having those experts not unless the expert is ready to work with you with the conditions of a startup kind of an experience so that that's one thing secondly secondly i don't shy off from taking time out i don't i don't shy off from taking time out i need that that space to actually reorganize my thoughts and figuring out okay i wanted this launched on this particular day but you're having so many hurdles coming coming in that the launch cannot really happen and it's uh and it's of course it's affecting me in a negative way or this this uh this required and we are not able to give it so i don't shy off from taking that day off and even you know getting off from work completely because if you keep thinking about it and worrying about it, it won't really make a solution first thing is making your energy come back you know so that you can be in that positive state where you can look something with a neutral kind of view as opposed to an anger that has built up on that side of a thing and so i love uh, i love taking nature walks uh, i have a puppy that is amazing yeah i have a puppy so that that's one of my places where i go to i just take my puppy and we do some work i talk to the puppy by the way <laughs> i tell the puppy is like know. what is happening today <laughs> <laughs> It's just like we're going to be discussing some financials. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, and at the end of the whole nature walk, and mm-hmm. just just loving how the puppy is just keeping me company, and you know how puppies are, you know, they're cuddling, and, and it's somewhere they feel your instinct. They feel when you need that love and that kind you of. You know, there's stress, stress levels. Yeah. Also. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So. Uh, that's what I do. I do. I do the nature walks. I talk to my puppy, and then of course now once I have that energy back, I actually feel now I'm in that position and now I can talk to God. I don't. I don't like. I, I. I don't like being in a prayer mode when I'm when I'm angry or when I'm questioning in a negative way because I actually feel like uh, I'll just be bombarding God with things that are not making sense. I like. I like going to Him now when I, my, my thoughts are making sense. When things are clear so that i can speak from a place of authority yeah that is incredible so for me that's it prayer a lot of uh, a lot of nature works with my puppy and like i told you the first thing i did was making sure i'm very honest and transparent with my mm-hmm. team that is really and i think that's what a lot of organizations went through in 2020 um just briefly um jacqueline you're not audible um you can hear me yeah now i can hear you Okay, sorry. Um so for 2020, um how was that for you um in 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 terms of just in a nutshell just explaining 
how did the restructuring of everything for you and and I don't know if you had to lay some people off or how was that for you and your team because last year people were just going through some we were just seeing people shutting down we saw some people getting laid off but what I learned from it is that there was already that culture in your organization of transparency so people already knew that that you know you know what, what what was happening anyway there was already that so there was there wasn't a shock maybe when you had to explain um if there were any changes so i was just wondering how 2020 has been for you um or what changes did you make for your organization to really deal with this pandemic okay so uh, i'm going to be honest with you uh, and i shall feel a bit shy when i say this part but uh, I think 2020 for Saru Organic is one of those outlier kind of stories mm -hmm. because uh, for Saru Organics in 2020, we actually grew in terms of sales and revenue and growth. We actually grew. You know, the way uh, maybe the analysis expectation is uh, because things have changed, the pandemic is here, the cash flow in the economy is limited, people are no longer spending as much they've spent. There's that expectation, rightfully so, for, 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 for brands to have experienced a, a dip, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, fortunately, I think uh, the pandemic showed us something that we were not really focusing on mm -hmm. as much as we should have, and that was our online sales. Mm -hmm. So you remember me telling you um, from flea market, I yeah, got with ethnic partner. Yeah. yeah, so what ethnic did for Saru, it made me start thinking that, oh, the way to go is the retailer way, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was focused on, on getting a retailer after the other, a retailer, you know, so after finishing this brand, the next brand I'm focusing on is super cosmetics. So then I am writing emails to them, getting appointments, just making sure their product is listed at Super Cosmetics. After that, what's the next brand? And the biggest brand that we currently have to date is Good Life Pharmacies. Mm -hmm. And Good Life Pharmacies, they're like 70 plus kind of shops. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, that's uh, like, if you look at the kind of stock that Good Life Pharmacies have at a particular time, thinking that there are over 70 shops, that's a lot, a lot of stock. So uh, this, this, this build-up of me, you know, wanting to accumulate a retailer after the other had come because of the successful uh, model I'd seen with Ethnic. Mm -hmm. And so our focus for some reason was retailers. Because that was working, right? That's the model you saw. That that, exactly. That was yeah. working and it was good for us. You know, even with the credit, we'd be like, okay, we wait for the 30 days to come for a check and blah, blah, blah. We'd somehow figured out how to work with this kind of... Uh, you know, credit retailer relationship. Mm -hmm. Then 2020 comes, and alas, Super Cosmetics, they make an order, and it's way, way below their normal. <laughs> I'm like, is that an order? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you can just, you can you're, 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 you're like, this won't even pay rent, yeah. you know? I'm like, this, this won't even pay the rent of the place we are right now. Let, let, let alone salaries and everything else. This won't even buy the supplies you need. And what shops are experiencing was a, dra dra a, dra a drastic uh, low food traffic. You know, there, was no, uh, there, were, there are no longer people walking into the malls, right? especially for good life, because good life, they are more in the malls. Huh? So, yeah. of course, no more food traffic. And they're 
water, like an eighth of what they used to order. Yeah. And of course, that made me cringe and wonder, okay, this, this is getting interesting because if, if 80% of their revenues that support your business comes from the retailers, you're in for good trouble, you know? Uh. You're in for good trouble. And then, as, I mean, that situation seeing, you know, you can see the picture, it's about to become very dull, very fast. Exactly. So you're thinking, what can you do? And I'm like, okay, we need to figure out how to get to the customers. And we realized we've not actually capitalized on our online sales. It's mm -hmm. it's like it was there for just in case you want to buy online, you can buy, but there was no there was no strategy from us or uh, energy being pushed on that direction. And so with my team, we just decided, you know what? Let's stop focusing uh, so much about retailers. Let's see how we can get to the customers. And so we started by first uh, ensuring we have all, all advertised again and again that we have a website that you can purchase from us. And then from the website, we, we put uh, things like, uh, we call it the wadi points. So to, uh, to put incentives uh, that would allow a customer want to shop online. So when they shop with us online, they'd, they'd be able to get some points that they can use to reduce their their total bill for their purchases and there were gifts that you were giving you know there was for example the face mask because of the pandemic so we made our own face masks with the logo so you know you win a gift uh you win the, the, those various gifts and then would come up with discounts buy this much and enjoy this particular percentage and i think uh at a at a very good time last year we even went to a level of even doing free deliveries within nairobi or like purchase and you'll enjoy free delivery. That one I worked with a Kumia company to see how we can accommodate that kind of a cost at a, at a like a wholesale price kind of a thing they've given me. And this, this incentive that, you know, the pandemic made us think, wait, you know, how can we pull this ball rolling? How can we make our own website actually bring us the, the much revenue? And because people are staying at home, they would find it easier having a delivery being done in their home yeah. uh, than them walking to the mall and buying the product. So we connected with that, with that convenience aspect of the customer. And of course now showing more about how the products are used, you know, um, uh, even going ahead to, uh, what do you call it? To appreciate customers, we do like customer of the month because now we have the direct numbers of the customers who are buying. So we call and get feedback and feature you as a customer of the month. And, and send you a surprise package. And that, that what, what that did, it, it changed our model on what we are focusing on and actually made our sales revenue grow. So yeah, so for us, the pandemic made us, made us uh, grow, made us think outside the box. And uh, yeah, I, I actually like that direction. Not to mean we're not focusing on retailers, we are, but made us realize we have a sleeping giant sound. That is incredible. So the pandemic really brought opportunities, and and I believe that the you know that's one thing at least we're grateful for in in, in this pandemic. And I love that your business actually grew within that. Um, you know, I, I think it just it just shows the amount of leadership. Um, and and really the quickness. Um, you know, the agility of the whole team to be able to shift. So. Um, one of our final question is, I know you're very, you're, you're very keen in social impact. So if you had, um, 
a billion dollars, let's say here, what is one thing you will change about this continent? So if you're picking a cause or if you were to make an impact, for example, what, what is that one thing that you will, um, you will influence or you will change? Uh, basically from my last year experience, from my last year experience with the pandemic and the struggles of business, if I had that call, what I'll change is definitely digitalization of businesses in Africa. Mm -hmm. I think, like I told you, it's, it's something that, yes, it was there, but you are not really looking at it, you know, strategically thinking on how we can make it work for us. Mm -hmm. And I think so many businesses, for example, I can tell you, a friend, a friend of mine, I, I used to, not really a friend, but I would call her a friend because I would purchase from her a lot of times. On my way to work, there was this lady who had a shop and she had these amazing gripped dresses. Very amazing. So I would love to stop by and see the new, the new stock she has. And if there's a particular dress that I would love, I'd be like, oh, okay, I'm picking that dress and coming. When that pandemic happened, I can remember I was driving there. Then one day I'm seeing the door is closed. Then I'm like, oh, maybe she just closed today. But that happened for two weeks. And I'm like, okay, she can't close for two weeks. So I said, let me call her, you know, because uh, of course I had her number. And I was like, what's happening? Uh, I think your door, have you shifted the business to a different location or what? And that was uh, that particular time. It was around April last year. And she was like, oh, no, 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 no. There's, uh, there were no sales. People are not coming to the shops. And uh, I, I couldn't like keeping on, you know, getting money from my pocket to pay for the rent. So I just decided, you know, this, this, uh -huh. this can't work. And I was like, okay but have you considered doing it online you know like you know you can sell it online but there was this there's this wall in her that she felt like for her to sell she needs that brick and mortar kind of a model where a customer walks in and she's able to you know like they can look at the dress love it fit it is it fitting well is it the right thing and it's it's like that wall she doesn't know how to climb it she doesn't she doesn't really feel she has the confidence to transform that brick and mortar model to one that can be actually done online without the shop and most businesses I would actually tell you the reason why they experience the the melt the meltdown the closing is because of not being able to digitalize their business you know having everything online having having their their data, everything uh, about their business, just 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 on the internet, and being able to transform that to a sell. And so, one thing that I know, if I'm given the card for Africa of change, is to ensure, especially every small business, every SME has a dig digitalization process very well put, firmly in place, and being able to do it. Whether they're, they're having USSD cards to connect with their stuff. With their, with their customers or a whole e-commerce center or just, just WhatsApp, but basically digitalization is what I'd focus on and push that agenda. Mkamboy, thank you so much for this. I have learned so much. I, I want to like interview you for like 66 hours. <laughs> I know we, and I am so grateful for your time. Um, this has helped. I know it's going to help a lot of people. Um, and 
just understanding the journey. I have taken so many things from this call, just understanding from how you came up with the idea to what motivates you to how you treat your staff. Um, you know, the, the, the fact that we need to focus on digitalization. I've learned a lot about funding um, and really the resilience that you have, um, you know, as an African change maker, as a businesswoman, and, and a lot of the things that you've gone through, you know, putting yourself out there using LinkedIn um, and really taking your business online uh, and, and, and really the quickness of, of dealing inside a pandemic and really finding um, the opportunities there as a business person. You are incredible and uh, just being able to to have met you um, and now we're doing this is, is, is really incredible. You are the first guest for our podcast and I know that um, I, you know when when I called when I called you and, and I sent you that message I was just like do you want to do this <laughs> and again you were so generous and, and you're very generous with your time and I appreciate you. Um, where can where can people find Saru products and where can we learn more about you? Um, what social media channels are you on? Uh, so thank you for that, Jacqueline. Thank you so much. I'm actually honored. So the website is www.saru, saru is S-A-R-U, organics.com, saruorganics.com. That's our main website. So right there you can purchase everything from even men's products. We have beard serum, beard balm, to other amazing oils and uh, our processed products for example, so you can purchase from there and uh, you actually stand to win amazing gifts as well from mm -hmm. your purchases. Uh, you can also view from the same website, you can view our list of stockists. So uh, there's good life pharmacies, which can get both in Uganda and Kenya. So any good life pharmacy in Uganda and Kenya, some mm -hmm. organics is available. We are also in True Cosmetics, uh, Super Cosmetics, and uh, many other beauty shops that are well listed on our website. Yeah. Awesome. And where can we find all social media handles? It's Saru Organics, just at Saru Organics. So we do Saru Organics on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Mainly our strength is on Instagram, according mm -hmm. to our analysis. That's why we've seen our, our strength is. But we're also on Facebook and Twitter. Incredible. And she's also on LinkedIn. Um, if anyone wants to uh, learn more, more, more about her, now you're going to get all these people bombarding you on LinkedIn. <laughs> wanting to uh, on LinkedIn, I think uh, my profile is one that is active mm -hmm. because uh, the social, uh, our social media is actually being handled by an agency. We did outsourcing so that we can also reduce costs. Okay. Uh, but they didn't take the leads in page. So mm -hmm. on LinkedIn, maybe me, Kamboi Mwakale. That's, uh, that's, that's Thank you, Kapoor I am so grateful for you. Uh, we're going to have this up, and I know I can't even wait for people to hear this. I know my sister is going to ask me how we can start shipping your products to other countries um, in the US, and she'll tell us a little bit more about that. Um, and I'm looking forward to us having more conversations like this. Um, 
and especially uh you know during this time and and having a lot of young people in, in, in africans learning more about how to start a business on this continent um and and i know you're an inspiration to many you're an inspiration to me um and a lot of young people who are really looking at getting the consumables um in you know and and us switching to local made products um this is an amazing uh company i use their products and they are awesome um so i definitely encourage anyone to go out there and uh, use them so thank you again um, and I appreciate you thank you thank you so much Jackie thank you for your beautiful heart and for accommodating me in your podcast this is uh, amazing work you guys are doing I can't even wait to listen to other um, other people that you'll be interviewing because uh, there's so much wealth of information I'm sure you'll be able to get from others and Thank you for taking that uh, that courage and you know starting it and deciding you know I'm doing it. Let's do this. So thank, thank you so much. Very thank much. You so much. much.